Welcome to the Unconventional Path, entrepreneurship and innovation stories and ideas. Hello, I'm Bala Musitz, coming to you from the Capital Region campus of Clarkson University in Schenectady, New York. I'm a former three-time entrepreneur, venture capitalist, and now the David D. Ray Professor of Innovation and Entrepreneurship here at Clarkson University. And coming to you from the other side of the Atlantic, in Münster, Germany, I'm Mike Wasserman, Professor of International Management here at the Münster University of Applied Sciences. First, I want to thank you all for joining us. Uh, we hope you enjoy listening to this as much as Bela and I enjoy creating it. Second, several of you have asked why we do this. What's the purpose? Uh, and it's certainly not to make money, but uh, the two of us both like to learn from smart, interesting people about how the world is changing, how innovation and entrepreneurship are changing, and overlay our observations and compare them with the lessons we've each learned over three-plus decades as entrepreneurs, investors, managers, and professors. To do this, we've put together our network of interesting friends and former students and business partners, and along with uh, other people that we've met more recently, to bring you interesting stories, ideas, and insights into innovation, entrepreneurship, and people that take unconventional paths to find happiness at work and in life. Before we get to today's guest, a quick thank you to our sponsors, Clarkson University and the Münster University of Applied Sciences. And now, let's jump right into today's interview with Will Miles. He's a young entrepreneur with an interest in financial services. Will is a student in my Clarkson University private equity class, and I got to meet him there. I thought he was very interesting, and one day after class, we were chatting about his entrepreneurial activities. And I said, hey, this would be a perfect podcast. So Will and I sat down for a little while, and I thought we had a great conversation. Let's get right to it. Hello, folks. Bela here. Today, my guest is Will Miles. Uh, Will is a student here at Clarkson University. He's taking my uh, private equity course, which is where I met him. And as part of getting to know him, uh, it turns out he's uh, done some entrepreneurial things. So I thought it would be a great opportunity to sit down with Will and learn a little bit more about him and his uh, entrepreneurial activities that he's done. So welcome, Will. How's it going? Glad to be here. Oh, great. Thanks for joining us. So, Will, uh, tell us a little bit uh, about your background. Where were you born? Where'd you grow up? So, I am, uh, I'm actually from Alexandria, Virginia, just outside of D.C. I was born there, um, grew up my whole life there, including went to high school at Hayfield, if anyone on here is familiar with that area. Uh, growing up there, I was, uh, I was involved from a young age. I played a lot of sports growing up as well as I ended up doing Boy Scouts. Uh, I'd say my entrepreneurial um, interest kind of started somewhere around the eighth or ninth grade. Uh, I started a real small end landscaping lawn service type business and uh, ended up growing that through high school a little bit. And uh, I really got into snow removal, the very rare times we had snow. Uh, that, was ve- that was pretty much where it started when I- Wow. So, so was this uh, this lawn care snow removal business? Was this on a contractual basis, or when it snowed, you go knock on doors and say you want your driveway shoveled? So at the beginning, that's kind of how it was. But then after that, what I did was I ended up building a client list with agreements that if it snows, pay this amount and X amount of hours after the snow has fallen, we guarantee your thing will be shoveled. So the peak of it came actually my senior year of high school when we had. Back-to-back storms, we ended up with 30-something inches, which, uh, if you're familiar with the area, that that's unheard of. Uh, in fact, our, our, the entire county I live in only owns one snowplow. So when it snows that much, it's, it's quite an issue. 
So I, I saw the forecasts, all this was coming. I was like, all right, this is it. So we went and we set up all these contracts. I ended up, uh, I ended up putting together, I think it was three or four different work teams to go shovel and blow out all these driveways and sidewalks. Uh, because it's actually legally required. You have your sidewalk clear within 24 hours of snowfall, uh, at least where I live. So we put all this together, and then we had all these contracts, and then everyone went out and did it. And then I sat there and realized, I was like, wait, everyone else is doing the work. I don't really have to do anything. So that's what kind of opened me up to, the, I guess, the idea of owning your own business and growing it. Well, you were doing work. You just weren't doing the shoveling. Yes, yes. It was definitely... Organizing um, and getting the crews together and getting them dispatched is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So my grandfather always told me from a young age, the best way to succeed is to do a blue-collar job with a white-collar with a white collar mentality. Uh, so that, that's kind of the approach I took to this, was it's there's definitely going to be a need for this, and this is a very blue-collar job, obviously, shoveling snow. But if you took a white-collar mentality to it, you, you had a lot of opportunity to make money. Right, right. So uh, any brothers or sisters? Uh, I have one younger brother. He okay. just started his first year of college. Oh, great. Where's he going to school? Uh, he's at Hamden, Sydney in Virginia. Okay. Very nice. He's playing football there. Oh, cool. And any, so you started this uh, landscape slash snow removal business in high school? Yes. Any sort of entrepreneurial uh, experiences in the family? Your mother, your father, aunts, uncles? Uh, my grandfather has been a career entrepreneur. Uh, he... He uh, he started. He originally worked for uh, I think it was, it was Fannie Mae, maybe uh, not one hundred percent, but he he did something with uh, government housing and whatnot. And then he ended up going into his own and starting his own real estate development and uh, real estate development firm, which has grown significantly. There's a good number of sub companies under it, including a building company, different realties, and it's expanded uh, across multiple states. Now. Wow! So that's a pretty big. Sounds like a pretty big endeavor. Yes, he's also gotten into other private equity type investments, including, I think, some in the STEM fields as well as uh, a couple different restaurant chains. Oh wow, pretty diverse. Yes, excellent. So, uh, how big did this uh, landscape business get? Was the big, was this big st- two storms sort of the big event in its life? Uh, yes, but there was consistent work for a good, like, five or six different groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would do consistent mowing, that kind of... So you had five or six different crews, basically? Uh, not not crews, like five or six different contracts. It wasn't oh, quite okay, that scaled. I, I did work other places in high school, so that sort of limited it. Okay. What other kind of places did you work? So growing up, up through my senior year of high school, I was a mate on fishing boats, charter fishing boats. Really? Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, it was. It was quite the experience. Um, so you're baiting hooks, baiting hooks, doing all the real on dirty work, tangles and cleaning fish, all day. Uh, and that was that was interesting. It definitely, I'd say that's the furthest I would ever go to in forms of like a consumer interaction based role. Because some people, my job was completely dip based, so it was dependent on how much people were willing to tip me, and it was out of their generosity. So very inconsistent income. Yes. Was that on the Chesapeake or? Uh, it, it bounced around. I did I did some on the Chesapeake Bay, um, as well as uh, I did freshwater on the Potomac oh, and okay. uh, off of boats. I did a little bit of trout guiding, a couple float trips here and there. Um, but o- overall, it was a pretty interesting experience. Wow. Uh, I met a lot of different people and saw a lot of how that business worked, which kind of steered me away from it professionally. 
Well, I think one of the important things in, in sort of work experience is oftentimes you figure out stuff you don't want to do. And that's just as important as figuring out what you do want to do. Mm-hmm. So all of those experiences are very valuable for sure. Yes. So anything else besides, so fish, fish guide, fish first mate? Mm-hmm. Uh, so outside of that, I also, uh, I, did, I did construction. I worked on a framing team after I graduated high school. Um, and that we worked, uh, we were building a pretty high-end establishment. Uh, we were actually building the residences around a five-star hotel that were attached to the hotel. So that was, that was pretty stressful. Uh, the quality of work had to be very, very high, especially with the prices of the homes being uh, some of the highest per square foot values in the state of Virginia. And for that matter, the East Coast. And you said you were part of the framing crew? I did framing, and um, and then once the framing was done, I did transition to some interior carpentry and some of that. Wow. And uh, what sports did you play in high school? Uh, I played three sports. Uh, the two more serious ones, uh, I played basketball and I played baseball. Uh, I ended up following baseball at college. That's since ended, but... Okay. And uh, so after high school, traditional route straight to college? Yes, straight to college. Um, I ended up out of college. I went and played baseball at Christopher Newport for my freshman year, and then I transferred up to Clarkson, played here, and uh, arm's kind of out of it now, so yeah. moved on. I'm playing a little bit of football now, enjoying that. Okay. But, yeah, and what sort of made, what made you pick Clarkson? Or actually, it sounds like you went someplace else first. Yes. And describe that place. Christopher, uh, it was a, it's a bigger state school. I wouldn't say it had a direct fit for me. Okay. Um, what was the name of it again? I'm Christopher sorry. Newport. Christopher Newport mm-hmm. in Virginia. Yes. Uh, it just wasn't the right fit for me personally. I uh, I don't know. I didn't find myself aligning very well with a lot of the other students sure. there, and I just I didn't feel like it was the the education was geared directly towards what I wanted to do. Excellent. So I came up to Clarkson, and I've really enjoyed the environment here. It's a very motivated group of students everybody's very i'd say like-minded in the sense that everyone is here to succeed yeah. you don't get a lot of people that just come to college to come to college people come to clarkson because they want a degree and they want a job and they want to be able to do that job well and i i think that has really rubbed off on me it, it's almost a competitive environment in that sense and that everyone tries to best the others around them right right and so what's your major here uh, i'm doing finance okay and um so, mowing lawns, shoveling snow, first mate on a fish, fishing ship or boat, uh, come to Clarkson, and does the entrepreneurial story continue? Uh, yes, it does, actually. Uh, so, after my first semester at Clarkson, I, uh, I was actually, I came home for the summer, I was working an internship in D.C., and... Uh, I was playing baseball with a couple friends on a D.C. summer team. So what was the internship? Let's just jump oh, back there. Oh, yes. Uh, I, were, I, did, I uh, interned for Thomas Arts. I, uh, I worked. I did a pretty – pause. I worked for Thomas Arts. I did a pretty diverse role – or I did a pretty diverse group of things my first summer there. Uh, it started off with a little bit of going to get coffee and whatnot, but – the, the role started to expand as it went on, and I ended up doing a lot of their primary research. And what does Thomas Arts do? Uh, they're a marketing and strategy company. They're actually out of Salt Lake City, kind of near the Silicon Slopes. Uh, they do a lot of marketing and strategy for some bigger bigger companies and organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, 
I got to do that. I did a lot of their primary research that first summer, especially with new client acquisitions and stuff like that. I'd look into how the company's doing, what areas they're strong with, and kind of break that down as well as I'd look into financial records, current marketing campaigns. Uh, it, the reports in that, would I'd generate reports for that, and they'd be pretty tailored to what we were specifically looking to do for the company. Um, okay. And that was between your freshman and sophomore year? Yes. So while I was home that summer, getting back to the entrepreneurship part yes. of it. So while I was working doing that over the summer, uh, I was I was with some friends from the baseball team I was playing with that summer, and uh, we went over. We were at a friend's house. Uh, it was pretty late. I think it was a Friday night, probably. It was pretty late at night, and there was a couple kids there that were friends of one of the guys from the baseball team, and we were talking about. We were just talking about stuff. Uh, investments came up. I'd uh, I'd started trading an E-Trade account when I turned 18, uh, so I, I'd been pretty interested. So in you that. had your own E-Trade account when you were 18? Yes, that was my, uh, eight, when I turned 18, that was the first thing I did. And and that was uh, the money you made from mowing lawns and shoveling snow? Yes, that was, yep, I, I dumped a good chunk of money out of that. I left some in savings, uh, but I dumped a good chunk of that into an E-Trade account, and I started... And E-Trade is one of these things where you're making the investment decisions, yes. right? You don't have a financial advisor who's saying, buy this, sell that. You're the one sort of doing this analysis on, I'm going to buy these shares of stock. Yes. So how did you do that? So uh, initially, I, I just started research. I, I started reading the Wall Street Journal, which was key. And, and off the bat, it was just, oh, this company is doing this. I, I bet their stock will go this way. So I'd purely buy just the... That, the, the security of the company, whatever it was, that would all that would be it. That was the extent of it. So after I after I got done with that, I uh, I did that for a while, and I kind of let stuff sit. I wasn't I wasn't a very mobile investor, I should say. I, I was just long term, let it sit, let it grow. Not an active day trader. No, not an active day trader. Uh, that started to change once I got to Clarkson, probably. Uh, sometime, sometime in Clarkson, mm-hmm. sometime here. I started to kind of get more and more interested in the finance stuff. It probably tied into when I got started getting into my actual in-major courses <laughs> for finance. Uh, so I got more into investing, and I started messing with options. And uh, outside of E-Trade, I also got a little bit into the commodities. I traded silver for about a month and a half, but that was a little too high stress for me. When you're running out of class because you got to go dump a trade, that's – that's not exactly the best way to live, especially yeah. at college with all the other stress you already have on top of that. So kind of got a little bit of exposure there. And then I got I got into options um, and very, very randomly will trade an option. It's got to be pretty. So you're all self-taught in this? Yes. I. It's a lot of just research and reading, YouTube videos. Uh, you could teach yourself way more than you can imagine off YouTube alone. Yes, YouTube is a remarkable uh, repository of all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And, and the best part is it's all free. Yes. So a lot, there's a lot of very gimmicky like options trading courses you can find on the Internet and stuff. You're like, pay me $200 a month and I'll keep you in the loop on this. But truthfully, I think you can get all the fundamentals you really need for that kind of stuff off YouTube and you can grow those skills with experience. I think the biggest thing I learned is that you're not going to win a lot of them, but make sure the ones you do win pay for the ones that you lost. Right. Just like the venture business. Absolutely. <laughs> pay for the ones you lost and some. <laughs> so uh, you're a student here at Clarkson. You're doing some trading, some options. Uh, 
mm-hmm. the story of what keeps evolving. Yes, yes. So we're sitting there, and uh, there's a there's a, there's four of us actually that were there. So there's th- these three other folks, three other trading folks. with you as well. Uh, they weren't trading; they were just the people I'd met that night. Got it. Um, I was the only one with significant trading experience. The other, the other couple, one had done very. He traded. He was a political action trader. He only traded based on political actions and laws. He and he did that. He was very new to it. Mm-hmm. I should say. Um, and then the other two were both at very, very smart kids. They were both in the computer science realm. They were very code heavy, and uh, they they were really interested in artificial intelligence. And I, I don't know how we got to it, but we talked about the possibility of artificial intelligence uh, being applied into the trading, which at the time was being done some nowhere near at the level it's being done today. So we got into it. Uh, after that night, we were all kind of sitting there thinking, and then uh, we started a group chat. I think it was a day or two later, and we talked about the prospect of actually starting a company or building a product that actually did this, that managed a portfolio based on artificial intelligence. So the product would actually manage a portfolio as opposed to give advice to somebody to mm-hmm. manage a portfolio. Yes, it would be done completely autonomously. And so it's completely electronic trading. 100% all through artificial intelligence. Okay. So you guys talked about starting a company to do that, and then what happened? Uh, about a week and a half later, we had an LLC agreement drawn up and signed, and, non- and NDA is signed as well. Between the four of you? Between the four of us, and then we, I think it was like not even a month later, we had three contracted coders that were all NDA and contracted in. Okay. Um, yeah. So you're, you, you got this partnership of four, four individuals. Mm-hmm. Two of them are computer geniuses. Mm-hmm. And then the, the other one had decent computer experience yeah. with minimal trading experience. And you're the one who sort of understands the trading I, game. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And keep going. What happens next? So it, uh, everything gets signed in. It starts growing. We uh, we ended up developing a product that, uh, what, seven or eight months later, we had a working pro- product and prototype um, that ran a paper trading account. So you'd set up sort of a practice yes. account with and not we, not real money in it, not really mm-hmm. buying stocks, but just pretending. Mm-hmm. And we set up track. a yep, yep. And good, it, good way to test the, yes. the theory and yep. the algorithm. Yes, and uh, it managed that paper trading portfolio for I don't know four or five months, six months, something like that. So I don't know a lot about this. So you you basically set this up and you hit this, the go button and it just. Runs it does and it. takes care of everything. Mm-hmm. And we would pull reports every year. And you just kind of watch. We'd pull reports here and there, and uh, we tweaked a couple things based on what we saw in returns and whatnot. But for the most part, we just let it run for that given period of time. And then. Uh, and the idea was to sell this at a product, or to, was the idea for you guys to use this to invest your own money? Uh, that's actually where we had a large disagreement. Okay. So a couple of the other members going in. Going into this, uh, they had, for especially for college kids, had ridiculous amounts of money on hand to throw at this, tens and tens of thousands of dollars to throw at this. And personally, I was not as fortunate in sure. that in that circumstance. So, I also I was of the opinion we should license this, sell this, whatever. We'll make way more money using other people's money than we will putting our own money in. But others with a lot of their own personal money thought that it would be a better long game just to put in our own personal money and have it manage 
a portfolio for okay. five people. So before before we get there, you guys ran it for about four months. Yes. And what were the results? They were very, very positive. Like I think we had a 22% um, return on investment in one quarter. Okay. And so what's the time horizon on this? Or uh, a calendar? What, when, when was this going on? What year? What month? Approximately? Uh, this was what this was back what was it it was uh it was this was uh when it when it launched really jumped it was last winter okay like the first and like part of the first and second quarter so the market was doing okay if i remember correctly then market was doing well yeah market was doing so well so if you just invested in an index fund you'd be doing okay yeah yeah absolutely and was there a particular sort of category of investments you guys were doing uh, it was pretty broad. It was mostly just securities. It was pretty broad. Mm-hmm. But, um, there wasn't there wasn't a real there wasn't a real focused group of companies we targeted with. No it. industry that you targeted. No. no geographic sectors. No. And were you doing short selling and those types of things, or just basically buying and selling stocks? Uh, um, pause. Okay, don't go there. Yeah. Okay, we'll cut that out. Yeah. Um, so. You ran this thing for four months? Yes. Sounds like it did pretty well? Yes. And then there was sort of, as there often is, when there's either success or not success, Yes. Uh, there's some challenges in the partnership. Yes. That's when it started to fall apart. So we actually had the two original tech guys. Uh, both of them uh, liquidated their equity. Okay. Um, I think one was before we even launched the prototype. The other was during the prototype's launch. Uh, he liquidated his equity. Um, I don't. the The first one just didn't was not going to have time to fully run the company, and he wanted to get out before it really ran up a charge. I think he was pretty pessimistic on the actual mm-hmm. possibilities of it. The one that got out during the prototype, um, I don't know. I'm not a hundred percent why he left. Yeah. I I don't know. I think it might have been a relationship issue with one of the other sure. partners. Yeah, those things happen. Yep. And then so, I, uh, I I noticed both of them go. Uh, the second one definitely made me question some stuff. I was, I was kind of wondering why he left so abruptly, especially when we were seeing positive results. And then uh, come to last summer, um, I wasn't technically the manager. Uh, there was we assigned a manager in the company. Um, it was one of the guys. He was the, it was just him and I left and. Uh, as a manager, we had some we had some contract issues. I it started to get to the point where he I almost felt like he was pushing me out mm-hmm. because he wanted it for himself, especially once it was working, which I mean is understandable. Uh, so it started with he uh, he was trying to assign ridiculous capital calls, money he knew I definitely didn't have, mm-hmm. and I I said, hey, I can't, I don't have that right now. That's that's not going to work. So he kept pushing it and pushing it, and then I was like, "All right, well, where where does the what's what's the point of this capital call?" And it turned out he was trying to pay himself as a manager. He felt that his efforts as manager were worth an exorbitant amount of money yeah. that I, quite frankly, didn't have. Yeah. So I I said, "No, you can't make a capital call for that. We haven't made a real cent yet. Whatever." He kept forcing the issue, and then said we needed another. He or he mandated another capital call. As something that we were going to just use to bring the com- the company to market, I guess. Which I said again, we can't do that. His idea was to put all this big money in and show real money results, I guess, and then start signing clients. Uh, 
I was kind of opposed to this because there's a lot of liability and getting sued once absolutely puts you in the hole forever. Yeah. Especially in that kind of business, dealing with other people's money. So I, my thought was to bring this and sell it off or license it to another company that could use it and all the liability from investors would be on them, not us. So, so if you, if you reflect back on this, this episode of your entrepreneurial uh, endeavors, what sort of lessons do you think you learned from it? Well, off the bat, uh, 100% whenever you sign an LLC agreement, make sure you, you get it checked a couple times. I had, it, I had it looked over by a lawyer. I should have taken it to a second. Um, the, the thing I learned there was in, in one of the clauses, I was, in fact, required to meet these capital calls in order to stay in. Yeah. Uh, I, I did later realize that I did make a mistake that my diluted or my equity can't necessarily be diluted by paying someone's manager's fees, which is what it seemed like he was going to pay himself an equity for his manager's fees. That's not, that was not allowed. Yeah. I didn't know that at the time, which I do know now. So that was a big lesson. Uh, I guess the other thing it, I would really say is it's really, really tough to be in one of these agreements being the small fish with money. Cause as much, as much as you want to, to really have an impact on how things are done. At the end of the day, if I actually wanted to take all this to court, his, he has enough money where his lawyer could just filibuster and run me right out of money right. sitting in the courtroom. Right. And that's that's where I kind of learned it's really tough being the small fish. Um, outside of that, I think uh, I think the other thing I learned is you got to treat those partnership and LLC agreements almost like a prenup for marriage. I'm not saying you should go into a marriage expecting that you get a divorce but you should uh, you should 100% be covered in case you get a divorce. You don't want to lose all your stuff to it. Right. Yeah, we've talked about this in class. Yes. <laughs> that everyone uh, gets all excited when you start a company, but nobody thinks about what's going to happen when someone wants to leave. Yes. And so no one addresses that up front. And uh, so oftentimes it's good to address it up front, so at least you have a basis or a foundation for what you're going to do if someone decides to leave. Mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, so a couple of things I heard you say. So one is, again, the importance of lawyers. Yes. And, and making sure you get good counsel because these agreements do have implications in the future. Oh, yes. And making sure you have a clear understanding of what they are is important. Um, your comment about the small fish made me sort of think about making sure that the partners in this endeavor, their interests are sort of aligned. Their expectations are the same what they want to get out of it are, I won't use the word same, but similar, mm-hmm. right? So everyone's sort of shooting for the same thing. Mm-hmm. And again, having those conversations sort of up front to say, okay, this is what we're trying to do. That's one of the reasons as a, as a venture capital investor, we like to think about business plans because we know that the business plan isn't how it's going to happen, mm-hmm. right? It's just a plan, but it short, sort of demonstrates the founders of that business have sort of thought about these things and they sort of have a common understanding of where they hope the business will go. So did you guys have sort of a business plan and sort of, okay, this is where we want to be a year from now, this is where we want to be two years from now? We had that with all the technology and mm-hmm. we we hit all those goals. Our biggest issue was uh, there was, I was definitely the only one with any real business experience yes. on that side of things. So we had a lot of, I'd say big thinkers without real practical uh, practical use 
for all that. Yeah. So they'd have these huge ideas, but when it broke down to really small stuff, they wouldn't they wouldn't quite get it. Yeah. So that chapter sort of behind you now. Uh, yes, I sold off all my equity. Um, very happy to be out of it. Um, I haven't really kept up with it because I I don't want to be. Yeah. Super disappointed if it gets sold off for a lot of money and I didn't touch any well, of it. Well, another good lesson learned, right? Another lesson of, hey, I, I mean, you learned a bunch of stuff there, which mm-hmm. is important. And and so sometimes we learn from things that go really well, and sometimes we learn even more from things that don't go very well. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Uh, so let's get back to today. Uh, you graduate uh when? I graduate next fall, so fall 2019. Okay, so December of 19? Yes, and sort of what are your sort of plans uh, between now and then and post-graduation? Well, uh, now, this semester, uh, focusing very heavily on keeping keeping the grades up. Um, also working right now. I'm guiding hunts for Wounded Warriors right now this fall. I've very much enjoyed that. Oh, so talk about that a little bit. Uh, so I... Picked up. I picked up some work. I had. Uh, I'd done. A, I'd helped out with uh, the village of Waddington social media uh, before the Bassmasters tournaments, and through that, I had met. Uh, I'd met a guy Bob who runs the Wounded Warrior Outdoor Program up here. So through him, I've been guiding waterfowl hunts uh, for Wounded Warriors. That's what I'm good at hunting. So through that, I've gotten to help veterans kind of pursue the outdoors, and it's been a very rewarding experience wow. thus far. Wow, that's wonderful. And and how did you get hooked up with this again? Say that again. Uh, I got hooked up with it. I got hooked up with the guy who runs the program because I ran the Village of Waddington social media pages. Ah. Another great example of you know you 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 meet individuals in your life, mm-hmm. and it's those connections that always lead to something. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, so you've been doing this wounded warriors guiding them mm-hmm. to go hunting, yes. uh, waterfowl, duck hunting. Yes, sir. So that sounds really fabulous. Uh, what other things have you been kicking around with? Uh, I'm I'm in Greek life. I also I've been playing. I started playing football at Clarkson this semester, and that's that's been a lot of fun. Definitely good to get back on a field of some sorts. This one's a little bit higher impact than baseball, mm-hmm. but I've enjoyed it. Okay. So going forward from here in the spring, uh, going to finish out classes, hopefully very strong this spring. I'm taking my last real crop of tough classes this spring. Uh, over the summer, I'm currently working through a couple different options, hoping to do a, a finance internship this summer of some sort, whether it be corporate or more of a wealth management-based internship, picking through a couple different options right now. Great. Uh, and then next fall, it'll be kind of wrapping up at Clarkson. It's not too tough as, of a semester. I'm hoping once I graduate to go work for a year or two and then hopefully get a master's degree in finance. Okay. A year or two later, uh, right after I graduate, I do plan on taking uh, the Series 66 and getting that done, as well as uh, this winter I'm finishing up my real estate license. So hopefully but around the time I'm done with grad school, I will have a real estate broker's license. Oh, excellent. And and do you think uh, some entrepreneurial endeavors in your future? Uh, I'd definitely say so. I'm very interested in the private equity investing. This cl- the class that you teach has actually opened my eyes to that a little bit, and it's also helped me get a better understanding of what my grandfather's done. And I think that's a really interesting way to go. And it also it also yields a lot higher returns than traditional investment, which I think is the most appealing thing. Um, yeah. Well, that's great. So, uh, do you have an internship lined up for this summer? Yeah. 
Not yet. All I, right, so I'm, folks, you heard it here. <laughs> I'm picking through a couple options now, but I'm always I'm always willing to look into new experiences. Yeah, so you heard it here, folks. Uh, Will Miles, he's open to an internship for the summer. I'll have his contact information uh, down in the show notes. So, Will, uh, is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't? Or any other things you want to share with our, our listeners? I don't think so. I think we pretty much covered it. All right, great. Well, thank you very much for taking time out of your day to spend a little bit of time here talking about what you've accomplished in your past. Uh, it's super interesting. And uh, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Hey, Bela, that was quite an impressive young man you brought on here. Thanks for bringing Will on the show. No problem, Mike. That was a fun interview. Uh, what did you think some of the highlights were? I was listening to this on the bus uh, on my way to work, and three main thoughts really hit me. And first, this was the type of students that I, I love to see, uh, someone who is really, truly at university because he wants to be there and he sees the value in it. So he's really extracting everything. He had this kind of balance of uh, academics and athletics and the social part and just seems like he had everything in, in, in balance. Um, that's just something I think that leads to, to a great career right off the bat and long-term career success. Second, I love that he took advantage of weather-related opportunities in his early entrepreneurial career. I actually was in D.C. for that snowstorm that he talked about and helped some of my friends dig out. Uh, and it was the most amazing thing. I lived there for five years, and I never saw snow like that. Um, but it really has gotten – I've been thinking a lot about climate change. I was on the bus, and we have these electric buses, which are really cool. So as I was riding the electric bus today, I thought about, hey – this is kind of a really neat foreshadowing of I think we're going to, there's going to be a lot of opportunities in climate-related entrepreneurship. So I think if you're somebody that's looking uh, to make a change and, and looking to immerse yourself in an area where I think there's going to be a ton of opportunity, unfortunately, um, over the next several years, things related to climate change, whether it's infrastructure or technology, uh, construction, um, uh, you name it, telecom, um, ways to, I don't know if harden is the right word, but to help adapt our environment around us, our built environment, um, to withstand the nature of climate change, agriculture, uh, fresh water, you name it. There's all kinds of ways, I think, that this is going to impact the world that we live in. Uh, so I think it's a, it was a huge thing. So that just struck me as I was sitting on the electric bus this morning. Um, the third thing was I love his attitude, and it's a line that I used a, a lot in my life, is um, doing a blue-collar job with a white-collar mentality. And I think if you're entrepreneurial, that is a gem of advice. So kudos, I think, what he say? His grandpa gave him that. Um, and that goes along with his investment mindset. You know, he started at an early age reading the Wall Street Journal and kind of thinking about um, how changing the environment would would lead to changes in his in his uh, E-Trade portfolio. This was cool. He had a real basic innate understanding of risk and return. Uh, and I, I just think he's going to be a really cool example of somebody who will find success entrepreneurially in the, in the world of finance. What were your takeaways, Bela? So I had a couple, Mike. Uh, I think here again, as we have seen with many, many of our guests, they have this ability to recognize opportunities and then not just to recognize them, but then to act on them or take some action. So I thought Will, uh, you know, did that very, very well. The other thing uh, that I've uh, seen now many, many times in my venture life is uh, lawyers uh, are important. Uh, they're important when you're starting a business uh, because 
you know, it's it. I draw the analogy to marriage, which, and I've been married for almost forty-two years now to the same woman, and um, the it's very easy to get married. Uh, getting a divorce is a little more difficult, and so the same thing is true in business. It's very easy to uh, start the company. Everybody talks about, okay, how we're going to divide up the equity, who's going to get how much, and everybody's in agreement then. And then when one person uh, maybe wants out of the, out of the partnership or one person uh, you know, doesn't feel they got a good deal, you really have to have sort of the prenup, which defines the various different things that will happen when the company breaks up or when a partner and founder leaves. So you have to make sort of the exit of the business also defined up front. Because when you're starting the business, that's the time you'll agree on all those things. Uh, when you're actually in the throes of, of maybe dissolving the business or someone leaving, then the emotions are high. And at least if you have sort of a prenup or a breakup agreement, you can look back to that and say, well, this is what we all agreed to two years ago. And, and maybe you, you won't stick to it. You can always change it. But at least you have a basis to start with. And that's really important. I think that was the, one of the big lessons that Will lear, learned, too, in, in, in his most recent journey, uh, is that, you know, understanding, having an understanding of what you're going to do when things don't go well and someone wants to leave um, and having some parameters around that is really important. And again, that's where a lawyer can help because a lawyer has seen this a lot. They sort of understand what the best practices are and they can help you set that up. So I think that's another thing. And we'll big... learn that in his 20s. Ooh, sorry. We'll learn that yeah. in his 20s, which is awesome. I didn't learn it the hard, until the, I was in my 40s, and it was the hard way. Yes. Yeah, that's the way most people learn it, is the hard way. And, mm-hmm. you know, so that's it, one of the things we try to do here is is share some of those lessons learned uh, with our listeners. And uh, it is really important. And here again, that's where finding a good attorney, not just to help you set it up, but to also understand how you're going to dissolve it. Uh, is really important. So let's cool. wrap this Re- one up. Sure. Uh, we are thrilled that you joined us today in our podcasting adventure uh, and our visit with Will Miles. Uh, we hope you found the last uh, 45 minutes or so interesting and thought-provoking. Uh, as usual, we have two small requests. First, if you have questions about what we've discussed, suggestions about topics or potential guests, please, please, please get in touch. Our email is bela.and.mike at gmail.com. And second, if you like what we're doing, please hit subscribe on your podcast app if you haven't done it, uh, or even be radical and consider writing a quick review for us. If you know others that might find us interesting, please share us with them. Hey, so that's it for this week. Thanks for spending time with us. We look forward to you joining us for our next episode. Signing off from Historic Schenectady, New York. See you next week, Mike. Thanks, Bella. That's great. And that's it from here in Europe in Münster, Germany. Have a great week. This podcast is produced for Mike and I by our friends at Busy Media of Schenectady, New York. They can be found at busymedia.co.